The Linguophiles. Episode 4. Hi everyone. Uh, look, I think I should probably apologise for my behaviour last episode. In my excitement at explaining all that alcohol-based etymology, I quite lost myself and can't really remember anything. Uh, nothing happened, did it? Oh, no, I, I don't mean... I, I just... Well, from what I can remember, it was great fun and I certainly learnt a lot. It's just my parents weren't very happy. Apparently I... Anyway, my hangover has passed, and I thought this time we'd do something super casual. Why don't we just hop in the car and have a mini road trip? No booze, obviously, just a quick ride and a bit of light-hearted conversation. See where it takes us. What do you think? Brilliant. I've got snacks, don't worry. Ah, this is the new beast. Do you like it? Two-seater convertible. Okay, so it's my dad's, but podcasts don't pay much, so I had to borrow it. And don't worry, he consented. Actually, that reminds me of a funny story about the car company Toyota. In the 80s, they released their MR2, so-called because it was mid-engined rear-wheel-drive two-seater. MR2. Not the most imaginative, yes, but innocuous enough, right? Well, not if you're French. MR2 in French is pronounced M-R-2, which together sounds like merde, which is French for shit. The new Toyota shit. Not gonna work in France. So they concluded to simply drop the number two from the end, uh, no pun intended. But if you ever find yourself in the French countryside shopping for a two-seater second-hand Toyota from the 80s, which you may well be, who knows, ask for a Toyota MR without the de. I love a marketing blunder. Maybe that's what we'll talk about this episode. Anyway, any tunes you'd like? Royalty-free, nondescript orchestration, you say? You have quite exquisite taste. What about destination? Any thoughts? Should we just drive? Okay. As we're on the subject of marketing whoopsies with cars, a decade earlier than Toyota's faux pas, the American Motor Company, a giant US car manufacturer, made a similar mistake to Toyota's, when in the 1970s they introduced their new four-door sedan as the AMC Matador. A strong, quote-unquote, masculine name worked well in America. So much so that the car quickly became the preferred vehicle of the police force. Its coupe version competed in NASCAR stock car racing and made several television and big screen appearances. It was the police car in many television shows of the era and even scored a role in a James Bond movie in 1974. However, introducing it to Spanish-speaking consumers was a bit of an issue. The car's name is from the Spanish language itself, Matador, being the word used for bullfighter. The matadors of the bullfighting ring are strong, masculine superstars in Spanish culture, so you can see what the car company was thinking. But the word matador literally means killer. 
So calling a car the AMC killer, especially at a time when very few safety features were standard in passenger cars and fatal accidents were common, was not going to work well in the Spanish-speaking world. No señores. Right, buckle up. I can assure you this car is 100% safe. How about we take advantage of that convertible and have some fresh air? Sorry, not a good idea. Oh, look at my hair. Oh well, luckily this is a podcast, so you can't see it. But of course you are suspending disbelief and imagining you are in the car with me, so you can kind of see it. Oh my god, existential podcast crisis. Anyway, talking about hair reminds me that it's not only car companies in the USA who fail to do their research. For example, the American hair care giant Clairol named its new curling iron the Mist Stick. It was selling well in the US. But in Germany, they largely declined to purchase the Mist Stick due to the unfortunate coincidence that Mist in German means manure. Not something anyone would want to curl their hair with. Ooh, looks like my dad's left some sweets in here. Oh, that'll clear a cold. Mm, that reminds me of another problem with a product trying to sell in Germany. When Vicks started to sell their cough drops in the fatherland, the drops took on quite another connotation. This is because of German pronunciation. A V, the first letter of Vicks, is pronounced F, like an English F. Think 1, 2, 3, 4, spelt V-I-E-R. So in German, Vicks would be pronounced Fix. Now, apologies to any German speakers listening, but this word has the same meaning as the F word in English. Asking the pharmacist for some fix would prove rather embarrassing in a German apotheker. Oh, that's annoying. This thing is supposed to be new. Government officials Well, at least it's reminded me of yet another cross-lingual blunder. So coincidental. And it's back to French again. In 1988, when I was two actually, the British electronics and communications companies Plessy and the General Electric Company, GEC for short, merged. A new name was required for this fresh industrial behemoth, and the initialism GPT for GEC Plessy Telecommunications was decided on. However, in France, the abbreviation GPT is read GPT. If said quickly, GPT also means I farted. What is it with English initialisms not working in French? Can you imagine having to greet unsuspecting customers on the phone contacting the Parisian head office? Uh, bonjour, GPT. Hello, I farted. Goodness, this episode has absolutely gone to pot, hasn't it? I apologise for all these scatological references. It's just imagining the faces of those who hear these in their rudest context for the first time is just priceless. By the way, the word scatology comes from the Greek skatos, meaning dung or feces. And if you've listened to episode 3, you'll know what logi means. That's it, the study of. Well, scatology sounds better than poo studies, I suppose, doesn't it? Enough, sorry, sorry, I'm in a puerile mood. Oh, which comes from the Latin puer, meaning boy. So I'm just being immature. I, I mean, immature. God, I think I need a break. There's a service station I know just up here. See the sign to Lingua Services? Let's chill out there for a bit. Frankly, Lingua Services sounds like a marketing blunder waiting to happen. 
Ooh, fast food. Do you want some? It's on me. Go on. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. Hello. Oh, hey, y'all. Welcome to Lingua Services. My name is Brittany. I'll be your waitress for today. What can I get y'all? Hi, Brittany. Goodness, that's not an accent we often hear around these parts. What y'all talking about? Well, I mean, you know, nothing. What can I get y'all? Yes, uh, I shall have meal number 14, please, and whatever my companion fancies. Sure, y'all. Any drinks for all y'all? Thank you, Brittany. Yes. You know what? It's worth mentioning. The term y'all, written Y-apostrophe-A-L-L, is of course a contraction of you all, used to address more than one person. It's used mostly in the southern states of the US. We have our own version, like you guys, you lot, etc. And in Australia, they sometimes say yous. Other languages don't have this problem because they have plural forms of you encoded into the language, like French vous and Spanish vosotros. In fact, the word you actually used to be the English plural, the singular being thou. And like tu and vous in French, you was also a formal address. For some reason, everyone decided to be a bit more polite and started calling everyone you, dropping the informal singular thou, so you stuck, as it were. This means we no longer had a way to differentiate between singular and plural you, and modern English speakers have reinvented it. Fascinating, n'est-ce pas? <sighs> Excuse me, good sir. Wouldst thou require any drinks for vous all? <laughs> Very clever, Brittany. But back to the totally organic theme for this episode, marketing fails. If simple names like those we've been mentioning can cause such problems, imagine when whole slogans are mistranslated. Oh, the minefield of double entendre, cultural differences and misunderstood references. By the way, double entendre, or double entendre, is never actually used in that way in French. It would literally mean double to understand, which makes no sense. So they say double sens, which means double sense which makes much more sense. So when we say double entendre, it's nonsensical French. But I digress. The following is an appropriate story seeing as we're at a fast food joint. Back in 1987, KFC opened its first fried chicken dispensary in Beijing. Everything was going great, except their famous slogan, finger licking good, was slightly mistranslated in Mandarin to eat your fingers off. <laughs> That's funny, y'all. Isn't it, Brittany? Still, didn't seem to hurt sales, as it's one of the most popular Western food outlets in China. So, any drinks for y'all? We got coffee, tea, cola, Pepsi. Brittany, you're my muse. What? Muse, from Greek mythology. I know what a muse is. I'm a professor of ancient Greek and world mythology at the local university. My god, really? I also happen to love cooking fried food. Hear, hear. Is that a crime? Absolutely not. Good. In Greek mythology, a muse was any of the nine daughters of Nemesini and Zeus, each one dedicated to a different art or science. The name Nemesini comes from the Greek word neme, meaning memory, which was seen as the source of invention to the ancient Greeks. And, did y'all know, that's where we get our word mnemonic from, which is a way of remembering something. So, muse. I am your muse, your source of invention. Now, drink. Wow, you're a marvel. I know. But yes, my muse, because you mentioned Pepsi. That made me remember. They also had some rather unfortunate marketing consequences in China. 
in Chinese, their slogan, Come Alive with the Pepsi Generation, actually promised to bring their ancestors back from the dead. Now, that is some serious pep. Can't mention Pepsi without talking about Coca-Cola. Their story in China is slightly more successful than Pepsi's, but only slightly. They made their best efforts to find the most appropriate Chinese symbols or characters to find what sounded closest to Coca-Cola when read out loud. And they found a phonetic equivalent, ke kou ke le, the first part of which ke kou means tasty. At last, an interlingual triumph. Well, it was until local store owners started to make up their own signs in their own dialects and characters, and the translations started to slip, resulting in rather warped slogans as Bite the Wax Tadpole or Female Horse Stuffed with Wax. So even though Coke had actually done everything right, Chinese whispers got the better of it. Sir, if you don't decide on a drink soon, I'm going to choose one for you. Professor Brittany, I'm so sorry. I'm an absolute liability. I know it, it's just... Well, I'm doing a podcast, you see, and actually, you might be interested. Drinks, sir. Yes, um, a, a latte and uh, whatever my companion is having, please. Please take this ticket, sir, and wait for your number to be called. Thanks, Brittany. And sorry. Uh-huh. What's this podcast called? Um, The Linguophiles. What? This place is called The Lingua Services. You know that? Yes, complete coincidence, I assure you. Thank you. Have a nice right, here's your ticket. Thank you. Oh dear, I do ramble on sometimes. What a fascinating lady. Right, should we have a wander? I want to check the bargains in the shop. I've been looking for one of those car handheld vacuum things, you know? Let's see. Oh, there we go. What, 75 quid? That sucks. Ah, <laughs> vacuum, that sucks. Get it? <laughs> Punny. You know that actually happened, don't you? Seamless. With the Swedish manufacturer Electrolux. They decided to brag about the powerful suction their machines are capable of. Nothing sucks like Electrolux, they advertised. Unfortunately, they were unaware that in 1960s America, the word suck had become street slang for lousy. I think I'll just grab a pen for the car instead. And talking of pens... Parker tried to translate the slogan, it won't leak into your pocket and embarrass you, into Spanish, to be marketed in Mexico. Do you remember the first episode of The Linguophiles about false friends? Well, you might recall that I mentioned that the word embarazada in Spanish does not mean embarrassed, but in fact, pregnant. So Parker Penn's slogan in Mexico read, it won't leak into your pocket and make you pregnant. I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation from a pen, do you? Oh, I wonder when our food will be ready. Well, while we're waiting, it's probably a good time to mention some food and drink blunders. And thinking about it, I've been quite mean to the English-speaking world. Well, what about something that's been translated into English? How about the famous Japanese electrolyte drink, Pokari Sweat, marketed to replace vital salts lost post-exercise? And that's why they call it Sweat. You lose these electrolytes when you sweat during sport. So they logically called the drink the thing it replaces. Just doesn't quite work for us though, does it? And this is my favourite one into English. Also Japanese. Sorry Japan, but your creations are just utterly brilliant. You know, instant ramen. Well, there's a Japanese variety called, wait for it, soup for sluts. I'm not kidding. And it gets better. I swear this is real. Soup for sluts is labelled as cheap, fast and easy. 
this stuff just writes itself. Who knows what they were thinking? It clearly wasn't about hiring a native speaker, but there we have it. Cheap, fast and easy soup for sluts. It sounds like a monumental Google Translate fail. Mind you, I suppose we can't talk, as we do have a pudding marketed to ourselves called Spotted Dick. Although the origin of the dick part of the name comes from the same root as dough, and just meant pudding. But it's still a name that makes people titter today. It's also really tasty with custard. Ooh, all that talk of food has made me famished. Ticket number 58. Ah, excellent timing. Thank you, Brittany. You truly are an inspiration. That was never talents, but ridiculous. Let's take this back to the car, shall we? Hear that? I wonder where it's going. Wouldn't you just love to be jet-setting off somewhere right now? That reminds me of a good one from the American carrier Braniff Airlines from 1987. They started to advertise their newly reupholstered aeroplane seats with the catchy slogan, Fly in Leather. In the radio adverts tailored for the Latin community of Miami, however, the slogan Vuela en Cuero, a very literal translation of Fly in Leather, sounded very similar to Vuela en Cueros. Now, this S can sound quite soft as to almost disappear in some Spanish accents, which would have made it sound very similar to the intended version, but in fact means fly naked. Some people suggested it was an international mistake, some sort of pre-internet era attempt at a viral ad campaign. But Braniff confirmed that the mistake was not intentional. Brings a whole new dimension to the Mile High Club. Right, I'm just going to fill the beast up before we get back in. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you about the most famous of marketing translation mistakes, the one about the Chevy Nova. So, the story goes like this. In Spanish, Nova means doesn't go, which isn't the best name for a car. Now, this is amusing, but it's not quite as simple as this. You see, in Spanish, Nova would be pronounced Noba, and it doesn't go would be Noba. That's different. The change in stress may not seem significant to us, but it's very important in Spanish. For example, hablo means I speak, and hablo means he, she, or it spoke in the past tense. Quite a difference in meaning. Anyway, this one seems like it might have been a bit of an urban myth to use as an anecdote in marketing meetings. And even if stories of marketing blunders may have been embellished over the years, it doesn't stop the mistranslations being completely wonderful and teaches us a valuable lesson. Translating is a very delicate art and goes beyond simply finding the corresponding word in a foreign language. Phraseology, expressions, cultural references, local vocabularies and customs can change the meaning. Or regional pronunciation can make a word sound like something funny or embarrassing. So make sure to have your translations checked by native speakers to avoid disappointment. Especially in the global marketing industry, estimated to be worth $1.7 trillion worldwide. Businesses pay big bucks to specialist marketing companies to prepare and promote their new products, both on domestic and international markets. With the latter, a bit more research is required to make those slogans and logos watertight. Well, shall I drop you home? I know it's been a short ride, but you can't say I don't take you to lovely places. Lingua services off the A-something, fried food, and such great chat about the best marketing blunders and translations on the way. And of course, Professor Brittany. Oh, I'll just shout au revoir. Thanks, Brittany. Thanks.
Thanks, y'all. What a hero. I'd say this was a perfect way to spend a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to it. Do you think Brittany would like to head out with us on our next bar crawl? We can order a can of Pakari Sweat or maybe some Diet Bite the Wax Tadpole. But if there's anything we've learned today, it's that soup for sluts is cheap, fast and easy and pens should not make you pregnant. And if that's all you've got from today's episode, I'd say that was worth it. Come on then, let's take you home. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you like the series, spread the word, find us on our Facebook page, and don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast app. See you next time for episode 5 of The Linguophiles.